You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. An old liberal Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer, 83 years old, will be retiring very soon. Liberals wanted them out for a long time because, well, they want a younger, newer, probably darker Supreme Court justice in there. Yeah, they made it quite clear it has to be a person of color and it probably has to be a woman. Uh, I have an idea. I know some people say it can't happen. Maybe it can. I know they're thinking about it. Kamala Harris. Now, this actually makes sense for for several reasons. Number one, she's miserable as vice president. Everybody can see it. Nobody likes her. She doesn't like anybody. This thing has backfired in the biggest possible way. And everybody seems to think she's looking for an escape plan. And this just might be it. Now, there may be some concerns about, well, the legality and constitutionality of it. She is the president of the Senate, technically. And can she vote for herself? Would she have to? Uh, It gets a little tricky. But I don't know. Stranger things have happened. And Joe Biden does say, has said he wants this Supreme Court justice. He wants the best. He doesn't say that. He wants the brightest. He doesn't say that. He wants a person who's a woman and who looks a certain way. I committed that if I'm elected president, have an opportunity to appoint someone to the courts, will be a, I'll appoint the first black woman to the courts. It's required that they have representation now. It's long overdue. That they have representation now. What about America having representation? They, I don't like it. I just don't like the way identity politics. I don't care about the gender. I don't care about the skin color. Joe does. Oh, by the way, one of the top contenders, it looks like, is Stacey Abrams' sister, Leslie Abrams Gardner. Yes, Stacey Abrams, who lost the race for Georgia and won't let anybody (laughs) hear the end of it. All right, so we'll see what happens. In the meantime, goodbye to uh, Stephen Breyer. Nice man. Very liberal. Um, Here he is on the Colbert Show a couple of years ago. What's it like to be a Supreme Court justice? Is it a good job? Yeah, it's a job. The biggest benefit of it, particularly as you get older, Mm -hmm. uh, is that you take every minute of it very seriously. And it calls for you to put forth your best every single minute. What's up with the audience, actually? I just wanted to hear what he sounded like, but the audience, that was like a pretty mundane thing to say. Woo! Anyway, that's uh, the Colbert crowd for you. Meantime, I liked what I heard from President Trump on the golf course. Did you hear this? Did you see this? Take a look. We got it, we got it. Oh. First on tee. 
45th president of the United States. 45th and 47th. 47th. Yes. I love that. Mr. Donald Trump. Ladies and gentlemen, Trump National. It was a great shot. Did you hear that? 45th and 47th president. He's obviously thinking about it. I would love it if it happened. It's happened before a non-consecutive president. Non-consecutive terms. Grover Cleveland, our 22nd and 24th president of the United States. Something else we need to do more of. Uh, You, me, everybody. They don't want to, but we have to. Talk about the 2020 election. I have concerns about the fairness of that election. It's okay to have concerns about the fairness of that election. We shouldn't be worried, as people are, even in private, talking about the election, whether it was fair or not. Listen to Trump. Elections have to be cited. We have to be decided by legal votes only. Legal votes only. And that's the only way we save our country and we save our democracy. The people have to be free to find the answers to a very corrupt election. And if not, they will never trust again and our country will be absolutely decimated. I agree. The critical part, he said, we have to be free to pursue answers to the questions we have. And these are valid questions. Look what Democrats are doing. They've already made up their mind. They are trying to basically enshrine all the shenanigans and make voter ID illegal by a 700 page piece of nonsense legislation. They're not screwing around. Meanwhile, this is something you should read. It's the Navarro report by Peter Navarro. It's only about 100 pages. You can totally understand it. And he makes the case. He brings up issues that I think we have to confront about the election. And by the way, we should be able to talk about the vaccine as well. The election and the vaccine. Why are we so scared? Well, I'll tell you why. Because social media is looking at our every move. Some employers are really, really sensitive, getting involved in our personal business when they shouldn't be. We have a right and I believe a duty to take a look at this stuff. And by the way, instead of watching the fake news, read this, Uh, read it. Google Peter Navarro. It'll come right up. Peter Navarro, by the way, trade advisor to President Trump will be on the show in just a little bit. Uh, Six states you got to focus on. He talks about it in the report. We've got Nevada, Arizona, Georgia, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, All covered in the Navarro report, issues like ghost voting, votes where they can't tie it to an accurate address, signatures not matching, particularly on uh, in the absentee realm, and so many rules being thrown out with COVID being the big excuse. Now, let's be clear here, just as President Trump was, Joe Biden is the 46th president of the United States. All right. It's it. He's official. He's the president. I don't think he's enjoying himself. I think he's got a guilty conscience. Something is not right about any of this. But you know what? Something great can come of this. I think so many things are being exposed, are about to be exposed, and we could be in for a major, major victory. Victories. You know, Jimmy Carter was probably the worst president ever. Really. But we had to go through Jimmy Carter to get Ronald Reagan. All right. We would not have had a landslide victory in 1980 if he were just so bad at the job. How about Barack Obama? 
everybody was over this guy uh, by the time he left. He wasn't that into us as a country. We had to go through him, unfortunately, to get to Donald Trump. Donald Trump could not have happened, I think, after any other president. Makes sense. You got to go through some bad stuff. Sometimes you got to see some bad stuff. You got to go through opposition and something great can happen. This may not be the best example, but a couple of years ago, I saw a terrible movie. Uh, although at the time I was kind of, well, Bill Maher's a funny guy. I think he's interesting, but I didn't like the movie. He's an atheist famously, and uh, he went around trying to make believers look silly. So at that time in my own journey of faith, I was a little all over the place and I was looking for answers. Bill Maher actually helped me find some of those answers. He went to a Christian theme park and guess what? That was very easy for Bill Maher to make fun of. But there was a man there playing the, the role of Jesus and he, see, he said some things that I needed to hear. And it started a beautiful conversation between me and others of faith that it's taken me a long way. Here, that, here it is. Why doesn't he just obliterate the devil and therefore, therefore get rid of evil in the world? He will. He will? Yeah, What's he waiting for? End times. But when why play it out like that? Why make it a game? The second coming. Well, it's not necessarily a game. A day is like a thousand, thousand years in God's eyes. It says in the Bible, if you want to look at it, just what, two days ago, Christ died. But I know that he is so far and beyond any of our ways that he can work the worst situation for his good. What was the Holocaust? Why was that good? You know, God had a plan for that. Maybe it's really? to, to cause I wonder if you would have thought that if you were one of the people being pushed into an oven. Well, you know what? It's like trying to explain to Ant how a TV works. That's God's ways are so much higher than ours. So Bill Maher, his heart is closed, but fortunately mine was open and whoever that gentleman was, I'm very, very grateful. I needed to hear it and it was very, very helpful. So great things can happen from adversity. We all know that, right? But it's good to be reminded. A friend reminded me today actually about this passage in the Bible, Romans 8:28, And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purposes. Folks, stay with us. Uh, Bill O'Reilly is actually here. What a treat, huh? Thank you. Hi, Rob Carson here. If you love watching Newsmax, you're really going to love listening to our new podcast. It's called the Newsmax Daily. I host it, and I give you the best briefing of the big news of the day, top newsmaker interviews, and even, yes, a few laughs. I know it's hard to believe. So if you're uh, driving, walking, exercising, just about anywhere, you can connect with the Newsmax Daily with me, Rob Carson. Find our podcast online or go to iPhone, Spotify, iHeart, Stitcher, and more, and start listening today. All I can say is that the fake news just doesn't get it, do they? Um, the fake news can be a very jealous bunch of people. And right now, they're very jealous of Joe Rogan. You know this guy? He's got that super successful podcast, uh, Spotify. They gave him like $100 million. I've heard it a bunch of times. It's very good, interesting. He's very inquisitive, which is more rare than you think. Uh, so he's a huge success. And that makes the fake news. And other uh, musicians, artists, uh, jealous, like Neil Young. That's Neil Young, keep on rocking in the free world, right? So uh, he's mad about this, and he wants his songs 
off of Spotify. He wrote a nasty letter criticizing Joe Rogan and everything else with an estimated 11 million listeners per episode. JRE, Joe Rogan Enterprises, which is hosted exclusively on Spotify, has tremendous influence. Spotify has a responsibility to mitigate the spread of misinformation on its platform. Misinformation. I want you to let Spotify know immediately today that I want all my music off their platform. They can have Rogan or Young, not both. Now, Joe Rogan, by the way, is an independent thinker, and he knows that a lot of our health authorities have been wrong about a lot. So he goes his own way and he raises questions about the vaccine. We're allowed to do that in America. This guy doesn't like it, labels it fake information. He also doesn't like Trump, by the way, uh, Neil Young. Take a look at this. At one point, they were friends, but uh, Neil Young, I don't know, got the memo from Hollywood and turned on him. He put together the most ridiculous letter a couple of years ago. You are a disgrace to my country. And then this is, this is even weirder uh, from Neil Young. Uh, our first black president was a better man than you are. Hmm. That's an inherently uh, problematic sentence, all right? The implication being that our first black president wasn't a man somehow. That's how some interpreted that. I don't know. I don't like people who turn on their friends. I didn't like it when Mitt Romney did it. Mitt, mm -mm. America will never forgive you. They'll never want you as president. I didn't like it when Scaramucci did it. These guys, they all sucked up to Trump and then they turned their back on him. How about you, Amorosa? Amorosa, your career was made by Donald Trump. And of course, the ultimate snake of them all, Mitch McConnell. All right. So, uh, oh, we have this. Actually, Spotify went ahead and uh, met Neil Young's demands. <laughs> they took off his music from Spotify and they're keeping Joe Rogan. I think that's fantastic. All right. Who likes the real housewives of whatever city they're doing? Atlanta, Beverly Hills. I've seen a couple of episodes. It's profane. It's hideous. It's a huge waste of time. And we love it, don't we? Especially when stuff like this happens. Jen. Why come out here like that? That's not necessary. Yeah. It's not necessary. Oh, it's not necessary. Calm down. Don't come at me, Heather. It's not me. It's your Twitter, Jen. You're responsible for your Twitter. Wait, wait, you know what? I don't want you. All right, I'm done. Wait, hey, Thank hey, you. Hey, I'm done. Wait, no, 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 the denial wait, wait, is what wait, I will not wait, accept. I'm you, We're done. Meredith, Meredith, Meredith. We're done. Hold on. Meredith, Meredith. Oh, oh boy. These housewives can screw up a perfectly good ice fishing trip. Um, I'm not that crazy about the show, actually. Uh, but I do feel for Jenny Nguyen. Uh, do you know about her? She's, uh, I think she's on the Beverly Hills version of this show. Anyway, she got fired. She got let go by Bravo. Too cheesy for Bravo? Take a look at the statement. She's a victim here. Uh, Bravo has ceased filming with Jenny, and she will no longer be a cast member of The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Okay, that one. Next, we recognize we failed to take appropriate action once her offensive social media posts were brought to our attention. What? Moving forward, we will work to improve our processes to ensure we make better informed and more thoughtful casting decisions. Uh, have you seen the people they put on that show? Thoughtful casting decisions. All right, so what did Jenny do that was so bad? She put up completely fine memes and posts. If you follow the officer's orders, you won't get shot. I've heard that before. I've said that before. I guess I won't be on the real housewives or husbands or whatever. What else has she put up that was so crazy? Uh, this is a big, long statement about basically supporting cops and 
saying that the anarchists and the activists, um, that it was wrong. It was fine. Might have been a little bit edgy, but yeah, you can say that in America. Finally, uh, ooh, I'm sick of people saying cops need more training. You had 18 years to teach your kids it's wrong to loot, steal, set buildings ablaze, block traffic, laser people's eyes, overturn cars, destroy buildings, and attack citizens. Who failed who? Oh my gosh, how dare she put this on the parents? How dare she put this on the parents? How dare they fire her? Actually, I'm sorry this happened to you, Jenny, especially when that show has about a dozen real criminals on it, all right? I mean, who've gone to jail? Actually, I met some of these people. Some of them were just gotten to minor fender benders or whatever, but look, everybody's fine, but this is not right. You're allowed to talk about the election. You're allowed to talk about matters of race, okay? You are. You just don't let certain people who believe one thing on the left dominate the conversation and everybody else has to shut up. You know, Andy Cohen is smarter than this. Andy Cohen, he can be a real character. He's kind of crazy. I don't I know he doesn't run Bravo, but he had to have had a say in this thing. Is he a good guy or is he just a woke wuss? What is the deal? I don't know. Let's see what happens to Jenny. In the meantime, Donald Trump likes to golf. Donald Trump likes to golf. Is that a big deal? The fake news can't get enough. When he was president, even now, that somehow this is time not well spent. President Trump spent today at his golf resort, which he did as well yesterday, and the day before that. In fact, today marks the 94th day President Trump has visited one of his golf clubs. The president is taking some heat for golfing this Memorial weekend. President Trump seems to have played golf at least 10 times in his first two months. We're able to quantify broadly just how much golf this president plays, or should I say just how much work he's been doing throughout his presidency. Well, here's the thing. He actually works on the golf course. People forget, and all these reports always omit, that he designed golf courses, that this was work. And he did not go there really to relax. He sometimes brought world leaders. That was an advantage. And the guy just can't stop working. Does anybody think Donald Trump is lazy? Here he is on the golf course. Make a big high tea over here. Okay. Make it high. Now, where else are you putting teas here, Martin? I don't like the bottle. I don't like the size. I don't like the label. Other than that, it's <laughs> Get smart. Use your brain, okay? You know what? Who cares? Get it done and don't spend a lot. How about this? One <laughs> uh, of, a, of a kind. Uh, the one and only. So his mind is always moving. His body, he's always active. He wasn't relaxing. He wasn't loafing. I know when a loafing politician is on the scene, and that was Bill de Blasio. This guy showed up late, was always smoking pot. Whenever he showed up, he wasn't uh, effective at all. He was a joke. And now we have another mayor who's a joke. He gets up a little bit earlier, looks a little bit better in a suit, but it's the same terrible combination. And next week, oh boy, Joe Biden is going to meet with him to talk about issues of criminal justice and how to stop the violence. This mayor doesn't know anything about that. Joe, I know, doesn't know anything about that. Actually, he recently spoke about how cops should handle people who want to jump off of buildings and bridges. Cops shouldn't be there, Joe says. Why is a police officer showing up to the suicide threat, someone trying to jump off a building? We need more social workers there. We need more psychologists there. They need help. 
Why is a police officer showing up when somebody wants to jump off of a bridge or a building? Here's why, Joe. It's dangerous. All right. Sometimes those people on the bridge or the building, they change their mind. Sometimes, uh, and it's not easy to get down off of a bridge or they try to take somebody with them. Can't just be a social worker or a psychologist. And believe it or not, Joe, when cops show up, they just don't start blasting. He is so ignorant. It's crazy. Stay with us. I wonder what's going to happen at that meeting uh, next week. (laughs) Peter Navarro, former trade advisor to President Trump and expert on COVID and also the election of 2020. Lots of weird things happen. And also Bill O'Reilly will be joining us in just a little bit. Liberty loving American takes on Washington, Hollywood and the whole media establishment. He's Chris Salcedo. Join his fight. Tune in to The Chris Salcedo Show every weekday afternoon on Newsmax. So this is uh, Capitol Hill police officer Eugene Goodman on January 6th. Um, looks like an all right cop to me. I, I, uh, what are you going to say? The swamp says this is the iconic image. This is so beautiful. My question is, where the hell was his backup? Uh, But anyway, they just keep pushing this guy as the ultimate hero. He's a good guy, but the praise is over the top. And they're very selective when it comes to praising cops, aren't they? U.S. Capitol Police Officer Eugene Goodman has been hailed as a hero for leading the insurrectionists that stormed the U.S. Capitol away from the Senate chamber. Because of his quick thinking, because of his training, and because of his personal bravery, um, deflected the movement of this angry mob. Eugene Goodman was one of the many Capitol Police who were on the right side of history last week. We know that the, the incredible American hero, Eugene Goodman, I mean, all of these police officers were heroes, but the fact that he saved Mitt Romney's life. Wow, he saved Mitt Romney's life? Well, I want to see that. Uh, And here it is. Uh, You tell me. There's uh, Goodman running down the hall. Here comes Mitt Romney walking toward him. Up, go, turn around, come this way. Uh, There it is. He saved his life. And there's a Capitol Hill cop walking. Is this a life-saving moment? I don't know. Uh, I I actually don't think so. I I really don't. Uh, But they hand out gold medals down there after that department failed. We all saw it. It failed. But the fake news, again, Eugene Goodman and other Capitol Hill cops, select ones they single out for all kinds of praise. When you look at that photograph, Mike, you think first of the courage to stand. That's one man standing in the face of that mob who were ready to do God knows what in that moment. Again, good cop, Eugene Goodman. I would like to know where the backup was, but the mob and they were about to do God knows what. Well, we actually saw what the crowd was doing and what they weren't doing. They weren't throwing objects at him. They weren't harming him. They were advancing, yeah, but I think it would have been really nice if there were more cops there. Why weren't there? Excuse me, but why weren't there, huh? Anyway, uh, the fake news, it gets even more sickening. You ask people at the gas station, the grocery store, any place you go during the course of the day about the January 6th mob, the violence of the mob, trying to tear down our democracy. And it's a shrug of the shoulders. Oh, yeah. What happened again? Uh, You mean the thing that we saw on TV? But it has had no visible impact, really, deep impact, I would submit, 
on most American people. The, obviously, to move on with, their, with the problems of their lives. Is my child going to be able to go to school today? Uh, stuff like that. But it's incredible that such a violent act, such a threatening act to the core of who we are, the core of our democracy, the Constitution of the United States, an attack, an assault on all of that is now just sort of up in the cloud. Because the American people know that when they're being lied to, the American people saw hundreds of riots that you guys weren't horrified by. You were sanctioning. You were glorifying them. And by the way, what a snub Mike Barnacle is. And look at his record, by the way. He's been making up stuff. He's been getting caught uh, inventing stories, copying, plagiarizing, all kinds of problems. And now he sits in judgment of America on a national TV show. I, uh, I don't like it. Do you? Then again, I guess I do some of that myself, but not like this guy. You know, why are they making a big deal out of this one picture? There are cops who do amazing things every single day, yet they only pick the cop through which they can make some political point or maybe even a point about racial politics. That's a factor here as well. All right, I wanna talk about Arnold Schwarzenegger. I used to like this guy, the Terminator movies. Terminator 1, Terminator 2, not so much Terminator 3. Anyway, he was in a big car accident the other day. Everybody's fine. That's his car, the black one on his side. Look at that thing. I'm no tree hugger, but that is a gas guzzler. And uh, he's got a lot of cars. But first, yeah, GMC Yukon. He can be so condescending, so self-righteous about politics and about the environment. President Trump is a failed leader. He will go down in history as the worst president ever. The good thing is that he soon will be as irrelevant as an old tweet. President-elect Biden, we wish you great success as our president. If you succeed, our nation succeeds. We support you with all our hearts as you seek to bring us together. Pollution is enemy number one. Pollution kills the coral reefs. It makes the iceberg melt. It is the very thing that causes climate change and it makes our temperatures rise. So if we get rid of pollution caused by fossil fuels, we get rid of a lot of the other problems. Wow. Hey, how's that unifying that Joe Biden, uh, you praised him for? But this climate change stuff, yeah, this is a real thing for him. I didn't know. Take a look at this. All of those countries that come and give speeches, this, we're not gonna go and lose jobs because of the going green and all this, they're liars. They, oh, they're just stupid and they don't know how to do it because we figured it out how to do it. They can figure it out how to do it. And it's all about having the boss to do it. Oh, tough guy. Well, uh, again, again, I think he's the liar, actually. But again, with the climate change. I wish that I could be the Terminator in real life to be able to travel back on time and to stop all fuels when they were discovered. All right, that's cute. You can't travel back through time, but you could travel to the used car lot and turn in your ridiculous tank 
Nobody needs a tank. Join the army again. How about this contraption? Whatever the hell this is. None of these things get decent gas mileage. Uh, this is a Bugatti, by the way. Pretty cool car, but again, horrendous gas mileage. Ooh, a Dodge Challenger. That's a cool car. You can keep that one. Uh, but as for this, an armored personnel carrier, you're worried about the environment? Uh, what a great big phony. I mean, he's so phony, I think we could call him a liar. Oh, and of course, the, the Hummer. He's kind of famous for that. He had one 30 years ago. He can keep that as well. But for the rest, you can take this guy. You can take him. All right, stay with us. Uh, Bill O'Reilly and Peter Navarro tonight. Bill O'Reilly joins us. Bill O'Reilly, of course, perhaps the most successful broadcast news journalist in the history of television. Also, the most successful nonfiction author ever. His new book, Killing the Killers, The Secret War Against Terrorists, comes out in May. It should be fantastic. Bill O'Reilly, of course, is fresh off his tour, very unique tour, with uh, President Trump. Interviewed him in several cities. Bill O'Reilly. How you doing? Welcome. Thanks for having me in, Kelly. How you been? Uh, I'm terrific. Uh, not as active or as busy as you. This was wild. It seemed unprecedented. You and President Trump on stage. You know all about this guy. What what was the big thing you learned that you didn't know before? His relationship to Putin and she. Uh, we got into that very heavily. And now with Ukraine and Taiwan and all that, it becomes very important for the American people to know that President Trump had an understanding with Putin. I don't know exactly. He wouldn't really tell me what the understanding was. But in those four years, Putin is kind of calm. He didn't really cause a lot of trouble um, because there was something between the two men that was beneficial for both parties. All right. Now, Trump said uh, to the audience at the at the tours, I basically did not condemn him, put him on the defensive. I assured him that NATO was not going to do anything toward Russia. And I just calmed him down. Essentially, that was it. And it worked. And now you see what we have in Ukraine. She a little bit more complicated. I don't think they had the same kind of rapport that Putin and Trump did. It's kind of wild. Joe Biden shows up in the White House as president. He had all that time in Congress. And my sense is he is light years behind somebody like Trump in terms of managing these guys like Putin, like Xi. In comparison to Trump, the professional is the amateur and the amateur is the professional. It's a different style. That's what it's all about. Trump is a deal maker. That's how he governed. He made deals in every area. And he was the center of the deal, the art of the deal, Donald Trump. So if he's not interested in the situation, he didn't pay attention to it, like the EPA and things like that. Didn't care. But if he was interested in it, he would make the deal. Biden delegates. He does. He's not a deal maker, Biden. All right. He's a schmoozer. He softens people up and then he lets other people come in. 
So therefore, he's not as engaged. He's not as involved as Trump was. Trump took it personally if the deal didn't come through. The Mexican president knew that. Okay, the Mexican president didn't want tariffs on all Mexican goods. So the Mexican president solved the border problem for at least a year. Biden didn't have that. And that's the difference that you see. Biden governs from an ideological point of view. Trump did a business point of view. Gotcha. Well, Joe Biden has an opportunity now. There's a vacancy. We'll be shortly on the Supreme Court, uh, an opportunity to fill a seat. This is the promise he made when he was running for president. And by all accounts, he's going to fulfill it. Take a look. I committed that if I'm elected president, have an opportunity to appoint someone to the courts, will be a, I'll appoint the first black woman to the courts. It's required that they have representation now. It's long overdue. You know, when I hear it out loud like that, I don't like it. I don't like the idea that it's about gender and it's about race. But Ronald Reagan, I think, made a similar pledge about a woman on the Supreme Court. Uh, do you know anything about that? And also, what are you hearing about Kamala Harris being on that court? That's just bogus baloney. Okay. Um, it's kind of like Brian Williams anchoring the CBS News. Totally fake, phony stories put out there to deflect from the real situation. The Kamala Harris factor does come in because she was chosen to run for vice president, not on her abilities or achievements, but on her skin color and gender. Now, I think the uh, selection uh, Mr. Biden is going to make is Judge Brown Jackson, who's currently on the D.C. circuit. Um, she well thought of. Three Republicans voted to put her on the circuit. Uh, they will vote for her again, so it's a lock. So she's in. Um, if Biden goes someplace else, it's going to be a little more difficult, and he doesn't need that. So I think you're going to see uh, Judge Brown Jackson uh, become the new Supreme Court justice fairly quickly. Let's face it, though. Kamala Harris, nobody likes her. She seems to not like Joe. Joe. Joe doesn't like her. She's a lawyer. She's a woman. She's black. I mean, this could be a face saving move, but I, no. I, I get it. So it's a, it's 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 probably not in the cards. Hey, overall, Joe Biden, um, I heard you talk about this earlier. The media, are they turning on him ever so slightly? You know, they were protecting him full time, protecting him. But now it's so bad, his performance, it seems like. They're only going to they can't deny it much longer. I mean, everybody can see it. Why can't they? I think they're catching on or they're going to let up on their protection. See, Kelly, you use the words the media, they like it's a monolith. All right. That's not what's happening here. Well, the corporations control what is now reported in the American press. So right. orders come down. They come down. All right. So MSNBC and CNN, you're going to hate Trump. You're going to be liberal because we can make money by you guys doing that. And if you don't like it, you don't work here. Not as stringent at Fox, but the same kind of point of view. Our audience is conservative and traditional you don't want to shake them up. But there are exceptions like Geraldo Rivera and a few other people. OK, so the corporations are getting very nervous because the audience is going down for all news, all TV news. 
So the instruction has been issued. Do not prop up Joe Biden anymore. Report what's happening. That word has gotten to all the people who work for these news organizations, and that's what you are seeing. It's not the same thing in the newspapers now, the New York Times, Washington Post. They're not basically operating on an ideological basis to make money. They're true believers. I mean, they are fanatical leftists in both papers. Um, so their reporting is a little bit more nuanced than the television reporting. You know, I always found political reporting far more honest on television because you can actually see the soundbite, you know the inflection, you can only do so much with it, whereas you can take a quote and blow it out of proportion in print. You know what I mean? So I always Kelly, found- that's a brilliant point. <clears throat> that's a brilliant point. So the reporters don't have any control over their own articles and the headlines. So if they write an article and they send it in, the editor wants to shade it. That's what the editor does. The reporter better shut up. And they do. So on television, you can't do that. But there are meetings every morning and the orders go out from those meetings on television. This is what you cover and this is how you cover it. Bill O'Reilly, I have just one small correction. Viewership is down across the board, except the show you're on right now. <laughs> and also your program, Bill O'Reilly. Check it out, the No Spin News on BillOReilly.com. And we are looking forward to Killing the Killers, the secret war against terrorists coming out this May. Bill O'Reilly, we thank you so much. Anytime, Kelly. Stay strong. Okay, you too. We'll be right back. It is okay to talk about the election of November of 2020, the presidential election, and ask questions. Was it fair? What about the irregularities? We need to know because, you know what, if we don't have mastery of that, could happen again if anything weird happened. And this is a free country, at least it's supposed to be, and we can talk about it. And we can and we should read the Navarro Report, a three-volume, pretty easy-to-read report very straightforward, written by Peter Navarro. Peter Navarro, of course, the former trade advisor to President Trump. He became an expert on election issues and matters related to COVID. And Peter Navarro joins us right now. Peter, uh, welcome back to the show. Thank you for the Navarro report. Um, hey, this report exists and anybody can get it for free. Where, by the way? PeterNavarro.com. Easy peasy. Once we read this and we'll go through and I, I, I'm sorry, but we need to take some baby steps because this stuff can True. get complicated if we're not careful. What is the status of this report? It exists. What do you hope will come from it? Because as far as I know, the legal battles are basically moot. What can happen next? Greg, after after the November 3rd election, I did a deep dive, and basically the election was decided in six battleground states. It was Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Nevada. What I found in the Navarro report was that each state, there was different kinds of election irregularities that may have basically pushed the direction of the election in favor of Biden and the Democrats. i give you just a couple of sample calculations that we found out since the Navarro report was published. 
The Arizona Republican Senate did a forensic audit, partly because of the Navarro report. At a minimum, they found 50,000 ghost voters. Those are voters that don't exist. They voted, but they don't exist that address. If you simply throw those illegal ballots out of the count, and we know that two-thirds of the absentees went to Biden, that's a 17,000-vote swing in favor of Donald Trump, and that's enough to tip the election in Arizona to Donald Trump because the margin, the alleged margin of victory is only 11,000 votes. I hear you, Peter. Now, on that question, and somebody brought this up to me, and by the way, I have grave doubts about all of, uh, about the election 2020, and I, I thank you for your service and you're onto something here. But my understanding with ghost voters is, the whole thing is they don't want people voting twice. For instance, if I move, and I recently did, I don't know if I ran to the Board of Elections to let them know that. You know what I mean? Like, if I vote at my new address and not my old address, or I go back to my old address to vote, that precinct, is that vote illegal? Yeah, yeah. And, and historically, one thing good to know, Greg, is that the election that Kennedy stole from Nixon, that's historical fact now, was done on the basis of ghost voters in Chicago. There can be things like you just mentioned where somebody might have moved but still voted. But there, it also opens the door uh, to uh, illegalities and stuff in the ballot box using phony people. I'll give you one other example, which I think is instructive in Georgia. Um, in Georgia, they did an illegal consent decree behind back doors that Democrat Stacey Abrams did with the rhino Republican governor Kemp. And what they did was eliminate something called signature match, which is matching the signature on the ballot to the signature on file. It's really the most important safeguard against illegal ballots. In 2016, there was a 6% rejection of absentee and mail-in ballots. It went to zero in 2020, even as the ballots increased by sixfold, sixfold. So if you simply apply that 6% rejection rate to the 1.3 million ballots cast, and you have the two-thirds going for Biden, you get a 23,000-vote swing in Georgia on that alone, and that's enough to shift the ballot uh, uh, outcome to Trump uh, because uh, the alleged Biden victory margin was only 11,000 there. So these are the kinds of things. Look, we, we should have an honest discussion about about this, and everybody on either side of the aisle should want to get to the truth about this. But those are just some of the, the, the ways you can kind of jury-rig an election that were done in 2020. The 6%, 0%, that's wild. So in 2016, they threw out 6%, and yes. Georgia, let's face it, wasn't much of a swing state back then, 6%. Then yeah. it goes to zero. That's wild. So we talk about a conversation and I, I want that conversation, but I want more than a conversation as well. I mean, the Democrats aren't screwing around. They came up with this beast of a voting bill. Yeah. And to me, this is a fancy way of uh, making, taking voter ID off the table, which most Americans want. Conversation is one thing. How do we get safeguards? How do we ensure, yes. do something like they're doing? That's the second volume of the Navarro report. What I did was look at how the Democrats engaged in what I called the grand stuff the ballot box strategy. It was increase absentee ballots 
and then take the election cops off the beat. And what the Democrats did was they used the state legislatures uh, and court decisions, sometimes even referenda in these states, to relax rules in a way which increased the amount of illegal votes that came into the yeah. stream. If you want to know how to stop that, you just look at what they did and you undo it. And by the way, what the Democrats are trying to do is more of the same they did in 2020 to shift the, 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 the gotcha. playing field in their direction. So it's all Peter, I mean, it's all there. The strategy they're doing. We're going to get it, Peter. Open. I forgive me. We uh, we're out of time. Peter Navarro, no, no, the, the Navarro Report. Find it at PeterNavarro.com. Also get his book if you've got time. It's called In Trump Time, My Journal of America's Plague Year. We thank you, sir. To be continued. Be right back. Just received this two St. Louis police officers shot in North St. Louis County, one in critical condition. Seems to be happening more and more. What a shame. Thank you for joining us. Stand by for Stinchfield. See you tomorrow. Thank you.